This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Gentlemen, how are we doing? <laughs> a, 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 a more intelligent looking, Chris, today. Yeah. I was just about to say, it's the best I've ever seen you look, I think. Yeah, best I've ever Yeah. More intelligent. You can still see my face, though, when I take them off. So. I, would, I, I would say, like, the top bit is head. Best is it's in his yeah. head look. Best my head's look. Like this. I polished it this morning. That's standard, isn't it? This short T-shirt. Yeah. We have got new new trainers and all. New jeans? No, not new jeans. They're new? No. What did you, yeah. When you went into the shop, did you ask for the oldest looking new pair you could find? <laughs> Are they actually new? Yeah, brand spankers out the box. How do you make things look so tatty? Shit. Shit. Yeah, like <laughs> so. Honestly, and that wasn't even a dig. <laughs> so worn. I can't. Are we all right? Yeah, sorry, Chris. We yeah, went off on right. Yeah, we're coming Just a bit. Take the spotlight off me. A bit for strong, a aren't we? Yeah. Plum shorts, like John. Pardon? Plum shorts. Are they yeah. plum? Yeah, they are. Nice fit. Baggy for the testicles. Do you want to see them? <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you shaved them? Huh? Have you shaved them? Can you see them from the angle? <laughs> yeah, honestly, the comfort level is off yeah. the scale. I'll tell you what, lovely setting today. It is, isn't it? One of my favourites. The thought we are, which makes up for the episode that's about to start. In see, I, yeah. I, I don't think we are in the Britannia in Scunthorpe. Are we not? No. Is this the Britannia? Oh, the black door. <laughs> the black door. Who said it was the Britannia? <laughs> we're in the... Oh, we're, yeah, well, so we've door. messed up there. So we're so in we're, the... We're half right. We're in yeah. the black door, which is in the Britannia. Yeah. Nice gaff, isn't it? It's Very nice. There. And they do a midweek movie night. Oh, that's what That was the cellar. <laughs> honestly, there's Harry Monk playing all over the place in here. <laughs> they have Debbie Does Dallas on. on, on a, honestly, the cleaners on a Thursday morning are inundated. They're mopping for hours. <laughs> Which makes up for the shambles of a, a location that we've got for the episode with David Illia. Thankfully, I can't remember what it was called, but <laughs> loud, one not it? Bleak. Do you remember when we went in? Because it was very last minute. Always a venue is. that we couldn't... Something wrong with, with one of the venues, mm. I can't remember. They, they said something had happened. They had a flood or something. We couldn't, we couldn't go in. And we have to find somewhere last minute. And it were... Do you know that? Do you know what it reminded me of? Do you know that P- 
picture of it, dogs playing snooker. Yeah. That's where I imagined it were. I was expecting a couple of St. Bernard's doing four-car bragging corner. Yeah, it's, 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 not, uh, it's not aesthetically pleasing, is it? And you, through this episode, you will be able to hear somebody playing pool. My favourite bit was when we asked the lads playing pool that were directly below. <laughs> they were making a bit too much noise, so we kindly said... Would you mind just taking your game and playing on one of the back tables where we couldn't really hear? And they were lovely lads, weren't they? And they were lovely lads. So Johnny's gone to Chris, stick them one on the on the thingy. <laughs> oh, Chris, yeah. oh I. Chris has gone. To, <laughs> his hand in his pocket to get a twenty pence piece out <laughs> for him a game of pool. For a game of pool. <laughs> I what you meant? Stick him a few games. <laughs> no, I says, I says, I says so tomato. I must not have said drink. Stick him on, on, you on, said. on, you said. Pay him one on. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Pay him one on. Pay him one on for, for obviously moving for us, which were brilliant. Pay him one on. 20 pence <laughs> piece out. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on the side of the table. I thought you meant pay him a couple of games of pool. We should just let him go. Imagine the oh, awkwardness. Put the 20, 20 pence piece on the side of the hey, table. Lads. There you go, hey, lads. Tap on, the, tap on the shoulder. <laughs> That's on me, lads. Uh, for, oh, yeah, rack the, up. the setting is, is disgusting, but the episode's good. Yeah. He was... It was ages ago, wasn't it? But we've not had a bloody he good was cockney on for a while. No, <laughs> and he's a he's a proper cockney. Yeah. So the Arsenal stories, unbelievable. He, um, I think, well, he opened up with about the controversies, wasn't he? So he must have been yes. waiting for us to bring it up. Yeah. But we won't spoil it for you. No, no, we're not spoil <laughs> it. we don't spoil it. Uh, we've got Danny Wilson on uh, Patreon coming on Thursday. Yeah, I oh. think his book's just coming out. Or just it, come it out. Was out. out. It yeah. came out on the Decanio stuff. It was interesting, wasn't it? I think it, is it how many years since since he pushed the ref over? Oh, and obviously you were manager. Twenty four years since yeah, he was pushed it? him over. Yeah. Interesting character, the boy uh, Paolo. I, I think little shorts, didn't he? I liked him. Yeah. I think a lot of people did back then, though. Yeah. No, but they were they were incredibly tight. They don't wear the big ones. You don't have a look at testicles. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> right. right. I preferred the baggy shorts. I know he didn't ask, but <laughs> I, I did. Funny enough, I didn't have that many pairs of baggy shorts. <laughs> we, we were arsy, weren't we? Yeah. Pair of us. Yeah, definitely. But it'll be interesting with the Chef Wed fans on that front. But, yeah. they, Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United. And on the Decanio thing, though, he got, he got yeah. blamed, didn't he, for not... Backing him, him. To st- yeah, backing him and getting him to stay. But well, he talks about. Well, he tells you the story. Yeah, yeah. This might be the f- first one in a long time where the guest might appear. Because I've just seen Ricky Ravenhill. Oh, so I- you know when we always say, "Should we get him in?" Yeah, we might actually get. We him might in. have to get him in well, soon. We, we won't because it won't be his episode. That oh, this is episode. <laughs> no, no, we're doing that many episodes, haven't we, man? <laughs> Honestly, we are working our chuckies off. Yeah. Working our chuckies off. What else is that, mean, Chris? Yeah. I was over the moon. They pulled it round last yeah. twenty. I watched the sorry. I watched the first game, the, the one on uh, whenever it were Friday night, and it was absolutely Stefan Schnorr. Yeah, it was poor. It was it? boring as they look like they're if they were in control of the game, they'd be they were all over it. They were mm. an unbelievable team, just passing it. But it's just all they do, side to side. They're a good team for making the subs look incredible. Steady as she goes, side in control of it, and then, but and then a couple not, of couple of subs come on, with a, full of yeah. spunk. And you're like, but, well, these two are good, aren't they? How do you know they've not been masturbating before the game? Well, you know, but it's just like, like it's just side to side, isn't it? I don't think it is. I tell you, who doesn't deserve the stick, Harry Maguire. It's bordering on abuse. Bullying. Yeah, abuse. I tell you, somebody who, who does deserve stick, and that's not. It's not the first time I've said it, and it'll not, probably not be the last. Raheem, do you think? Crap. Big statement, crap, but 
like, like I, I just can't. I don't see what it brings. I'm not bringing any negativity. Gareth, it's coming Gareth home. Gareth will turn it. It's turn it It's coming home. He'll turn it round. I'll, I'll bet you a month's wages it will be done. <laughs> I, I think it's just a red herring. Eh? They're oh, just, they're just making everybody what, think we're in control. Think, and think, then he's like, right, boys, put it in fifth. Here we go. Let everybody think we're shit. Time. Yeah. He's getting a bit. Of stick it is boring, anyway. mind though, isn't it? Apart from until the last twenty minutes. Yeah. But have you seen they're on about doing um, one of these Netflix series for the Premier League? You know, like the Drive to Survive for Formula One. Are there? Where they follow all the teams. I don't know what that is. What, so the ones like the individual teams are going to do that for all the teams? For, yeah, so it's like the season oh, documentary. Right. So have you seen The Drive to Survive? The, nah. the Formula One one, it's good. Like Klopp's going to love it, isn't he, Pep? I can't see, I can't see Graham Potter being a... <laughs> Brian Potter? Graham? <laughs> Graham? Brian? Wheeling in? It's a several cock and balls. <laughs> Put it in Pennine Sweet. <laughs> I tell you who will love it. Brendan. Oh, if a job. He's in a job. Oh, I tell you what, it. I'll tell you what, Leicester are gonna go on a winning streak now. I'm telling now he you. knows there's a documentary series coming. Did you see me on Sky, by the way, on the Graham Potter bit? No. Oh, you a couple of people let us know. Appearance, didn't you? Yeah. What did you say? Basically, well, I messaged him and said, Look, can I I've been asked to do this thing for Sky. Do you mind if I do it? Or do you not want me to do it? He says, Yeah, no problem. Please just lie for me though and tell them I'm a really good dresser and I'm not tight as fuck. So I, I proceeded to tell him that he's tight as fuck and, and he's a shit dresser. By the way, it's going to be interesting if Southgate leaves because he's got, he's got to get the job, hasn't he? Sure, will he? I oh, sorry, Pops will get the job. Yeah. If sorry, I thought, you meant, uh, I thought you meant Southgate getting another job in the Prem. Nah, nah. Brian. Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Right, we're going to, let's go after we get wrapped in? up because it's, it's Ricky's like right, a, Ricky's like a stripper just looking behind curtain. Keeping behind the curtain. <laughs> Should we get that, that, that Patreon? Is... Patreon's going strong as well. If you fancy mm. getting involved, only two pound a month for them two extra episodes. It's not really. It's it's two pound seventy a month. Two pound seventy with your right. tax. With your tax. Yeah. So who are we getting in? I mean, I don't know if I'm having a shit or a shave. Is this Hillier? David Hillier. <laughs> yeah. And Danny's on Thursday. Yeah, Danny yeah. Thursday. Ricky yeah. in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Thanks for the memories. Go on then. <laughs> They are a, a sticky, bit of a sticky situation. Then Wikipedia pages, aren't they? Once you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had that. You can't, you can't edit them. You can't edit them. But it's, <laughs> like I said, it's nice to have someone here that's got as much on their Wikipedia page as I've got on mine. <laughs> it's always a nice one. I mean, that's you, by the way. It's not, not me. It's not often you come across them, John. As you'll know, you know. I was going to say the same thing. About, yeah. Johnny, Mine's Johnny squeaky Park. clean to be fair. <laughs> squeaky clean. Yeah, it's nice, it's nice to have your controversies. Just a couple of dressing room jokes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wish they'd kept that to that. But. Like you said, that doesn't leave you, does it? No, it don't. It don't. I get it all the time. I get it on Twitter. I get it um, when I go out. If anyone does recognise who you are, but just in general banter, you get it as well. Um, like I said, I've been working around people's houses, and one of their young sons come out and um, mentioned, "Oh yeah, I saw you was on Wikipedia. I saw you as an ex-player," and. I Googled you and like Wikipedia page, he said, yeah, you've got some good medals, haven't you? You've, I didn't realise you won this and won that. And then your controversies, 
And I was like, oh, fucking hell, even then, <laughs> yeah. 12 year old kid, 11 year old kid. We put someone on so, Facebook yeah. and it was like, a few people said, great player, great lad around Bristol, whatever. And someone just put, watch your bags, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, see, the bag one, if, if we can get that out early doors, yeah, I'd like out. to, I'd like to, because this puts Wayne Bennett right in the fucking shit, right? <laughs> He's, um, so uh, we went on holiday, mate, and it was just, got to the airport on the way back. We'd had a proper bash on holiday. We went to the south of France. Um, a friend of mine was good friends with the son of the man that owned Saatchi and Saatchi, you know, the advertising company in London. And he had an apartment on the ninth hole um, of a golf course down in the south of France. I can't remember what it was. I was so off my head. And we took a lot of stuff with us, um, controversial stuff. So it was going to be a heavy week. Because, um, you know, in the summer, I used to let my hair down a little bit. Um, got out there, had a real mental week. Got back to Gatwick. Got our bags. Went to the bus stop. Got on the bus. Got off the bus, cars there. I mean, 10 yard fucking walk, and this would never have followed me all my life, but I didn't do the 10 yard walk. I looked down at the floor and someone had left their bags in the bus stop. That was it. That was fucking it. There weren't no Louis Vuitton in the carousel. There weren't someone, you know, I'm, I'm fucking, oh, that one looks nice. Yeah, that one looks nice. <laughs> That's what Chris said. Like, yeah, like, yeah, fucking, uh, <laughs> That's a fake. That's a looky-looky man. No, that ain't fucking... None of that. I bet, yeah, I bet he, he fucking did. That's, 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 what that, that's what they all think. That's what they all think. That's what they all think. So, so you, you were stalking out so, your parties. So, so, I mean, this story, uh, this in fact, come back... Oh, well, I say not even come back to haunt me. Come back when I was at Bristol Rovers via football again. So three bags there. A holdall, which obviously had clothes in it. It was a soft sort of holder. A briefcase, a leather crocodile skin one. Expensive. You know, like a satchel sort of one. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice one. Crocodile Dundee one, but it's in the fucking right. It's all right. got a big knife in. Mate, it was the fucking 80s. It was late 80s. Crocodile was... I had, didn't you, have cro you must have had the shoes. You must have had some <laughs> no. Crocs with a little tassel on. So anyway, so bag looks all right. Wayne, Wayne my mate, was a proper... He's, he's um, under 23 coach now. At Tottenham Hotspur. Love to get that in. <laughs> Fucking Tottenham. Yeah. You got it's Wayne Burnett, right? Wayne Burnett. He's that he's a brilliant coach, fantastic fucking coach. He played, uh, scored the winning goal for Grimsby, took him up through the uh, playoffs um, at Wembley. You know, he's 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 done well, played for uh, Kenny at Blackburn. I don't know if uh, you know you Doesn't ring about if you played for Blackburn. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I saw who, who did I see? Who was at, at that golf day? It was a Blackburn. Um, Mark Atkins. Atkins. Mark Atkins said uh, he remembered Wayne. He said, but he said I remember his wife more. He said he said she definitely took the the the, the wags up to a ten. <laughs> she was top draw. He's still with her, by the way. I don't know after this. And uh, so we're we look we're standing there, and he's gone the bags, the bags. I'm going to have a look, and he, he dives straight into the briefcase. Opens it up, it is stuffed, I kid you not, full of money. Right? You can't see the bottom of the briefcase for, 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 for notes, all just rammed in like that, just pushed in it. I'm like, oh, fuck you. He's like, fucking money, money. And he was a proper wheeler dealer. You know, I think his dad's, his, his proper dad done 25 for armed robbery, his family of all. Wayne's not, you know, I'm not condemning Wayne, he's, he's got over done really well. But he was, he, from that background, we was all street kids in, in London, proper little tea leaves when we was kids. 
and it never leaves you. So it's like, fucking right, get the bags, just stick them in my fucking car, let's go. Just fucking stick them in the boot. I've got a missus, eight and a half months pregnant at home, right? Just ready to drop. I said, stick them in, let's go. Well, we might as well have waved to the fucking CCTV as we drove out, hadn't we? Because it was right on my car, like that. It was, when, when they eventually called us into the station a few weeks later, they had... Me chucking one in, Wayne chucking the other one. And my mate Adam going, yeah, let's catch. <laughs> it was like we was fucking around, you know what I mean? And So we 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 gets back to Greenwich um, and it turns out it's all foreign currency. It's fucking Danish kroner and stuff like that. It's not worth a lot. It, it's worth 1,500 quid, something like that. There's a, we're in Greenwich, centre of Greenwich. There's a skip there. I said, right, just get all the stuff. Chuck it in the fucking skip. Let's be done with it, yeah? Let's be done with it. We've got a monkey each. We're happy. Let's just, just go. It's, it's not right. I know that. Fucking, it was, I shouldn't be doing it, you know? It's an expensive time in South of France. But we did, but it yeah. was costly. And, it, and, and the thing is, the mentality of that street kid where you're brought up from is like, let's pay for that. Like, you know, we're, let's just get it done. So, you know, no one got hurt in the process, blah, blah, blah. Dumped them in there. I lived 15 miles away from that skip. My mate Adam lived about 10 miles away and Wayne lived about five minutes. So we all, I dropped him off, dropped Wayne off, went home. And then a couple of weeks later, six o'clock in the morning, three police cars on the drive, woo, 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 fucking almost kicking me door down. I'm like, fuck, what the? We got a warrant. Um, Mrs. goes down, she goes to let him in. I said, don't let him in. You know, don't let him in. I've seen this on telly. <laughs> <laughs> don't let him in. Yeah, what, what do you want? Yeah, have you got a warrant? Yeah. All right, let him in. <laughs> it was, it was really like that. Like, Cup of tea? That didn't work. That didn't fucking work, did it? And they're all really smart, and they? You know what it's like. They've, got, they've caught someone like in, in the public eye, blah, blah, blah. And they had, no, no don't get me wrong, they, they had, I was, you know, bank the rights. But they didn't need to go through my old house, through every pair of fucking socks. All my baby's drawers got turned out, the fucking loft. Two and a half hours in the house. I didn't have fuck all in the house, nothing. Moving on a couple of weeks, we obviously went to the station, got charged, blah, blah, blah. Got charged with, the bloke said he had three, uh, three bits of jewellery in there that he was taking home to his dying mum in fucking Sweden. Um, he said he had a laptop. Now, laptops were like 25 grand at the time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They, they just, uh, to have one of them, it, you would have been the, some sort of god. No one had them. He said, so he had one of them in his bag, obviously. And uh, yeah, so bang the right. So I said, well, how did you... How did you know it was me? So they showed you the footage of the car coming out. So we've also got, um, yeah. we've also got your fingerprints. I said, you got me fingerprints. So I'd done a couple of things when I was a kid, like you know, as you do, a little bit of a tea leaf, and uh, like the, bill, the old Bill had me fingerprints, and they they run a check on a bit of paper that they found in a skip. So I thought, how the fuck did they know that that stuff was all in the skip? So anyway, it turns out that someone had been to that skip five minutes after we left it there and took the two credit cards out of the skip that were in it that also had a pin number with them that we said we weren't going to use. And then two credit cards got used for another grand, right? Now, I'm not Inspector Clouseau, but uh, <laughs> we, a certain person stuffed that bag right at the bottom of that skip that had loads of stuff in it. And for them to get used five minutes later, someone must have known they was there, gone there. Apparently, the bag weren't there no more. The bag had been tipped out. 
there was just paperwork, no credit cards there. So, listen, it's still open to debate, but... It, it might have been one... I think I think there might have been inside information. Inside job. Yeah. <laughs> it might have been an insider job, which is a bit of a shame. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what ultimately but fucking got us caught. Yeah. That is old, because yeah. whatever that stuff was at the bottom then came to the top of the skip. Um, and then there was a passport in there. The guys had a passport in there. The police put two and two together. Oh, my God. And the copper who nicked me at Gatwick. So we went to Gatwick on the day. We had, you have to get charged at Gatwick when you go, when you get done at an airport police station you can't just right, go you're to gonna any... go back so we had to go back again. oh crime. mate he had sandwiches tea ready for me didn't he big oh, fan sit down Mr. Ilya oh massive fan yeah <laughs> fucking massive fan yeah I'll watch you fingerprints and if you want signing do this that. <laughs> Fuck, oh yeah I've seen you do oh, I saw your goal against Sheffield you know oh <laughs> fucking hell seriously what on... so anyway transpires two years later I was at, I was at, um, well in oh I got done for it we all know that um, <laughs> went to court so turned up at court. Wayne, Wayne's mum got us a barrister. He, I, think, I think he charged us more than what was in the fucking bag, <laughs> right? Um, to plead guilty. <laughs> to plead guilty. And top it all off, right? So this, this takes the cream. Funniest thing happened. We're all in court. My mate Adam is like six foot six, um, basketball player, type physique. He's in a fucking massive unit. There's Wayne, who's about six one, and then there's little me. Standing there, and he's got a uh, Mr. Ilya, how do you plead? I've gone guilty. Mr. Old, how do you plead? Guilty. Mr. Burnett, how do you plead? Then this fucking tune comes out. Jingle Bell, you know, Jingle Bell's tune starts playing. He's, it's Christmas time, right? He's wearing musical fucking socks. <laughs> and he's decided to fucking go like that right at the time. Right at the time that the fucking judge asked him what he was pleading. Musical fucking jingle bells. Everyone's like, and you know, there's people in the gallery pressing the gallery. Oh, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> just ridiculous. Uh, yeah. what, what, did, what did you actually get charged for then? So I got charged for theft of, theft of, theft. Is this like headline news at the time? Is this front page stuff? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it, it came, right, it was, it was, well, it was inside the back spread. I had a friend called Dellen Edwards, um, black guy who drove, drove us to the court. So he drove me and Wayne, and I had quite a, I had a silver convertible BMW M3 thing, right? Um, obviously stood out a little bit. And uh, so we've rocked up outside the court, jumped out, starts getting out style over the doors, and I'm, gone in, like, yeah. He's drove off. When we came, when he came to pick me up, he picked us up out the back. They let us go out the back of the court, into the, into the car park. We've gone into the car park and my mate Dellen, he don't look like me and he don't look like Wayne. It was his picture in the paper saying, David Ilya leaves court in a rush after... And it's a picture, but it's not even me. <laughs> it's not even me. It's someone... Come, and it is blatantly not me, do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it, the thing was a farce from the beginning to the fucking end. Absolute fucking joke. But fair play, old man's up, mate. It's a yeah, fair yeah. cop, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? What, do, what were your actual punishment then? So we got, um, I think it was 10 grand, 10 or 12 grand fine. Um, Each? Nah. Um, Just between, between you? Between us, and then, then we paid the, paid the, the fees. And that would you have taken that before you went in? Would you be thinking? Um, yeah, I think so, to be honest. I took a liberty and I shouldn't have done it. Um, but I was still in that process of 
being a young lad. Do you know what I mean? And in, in the time when we was playing football, it was all about drinking girls, going out, wasn't it, and partying. And we was in London. So I think that week of doing that had just, you know, sort of messed me head up a little bit, come back and, um, yeah, grew up pretty quick after that. That yeah. was that was the misdemeanor that really um, livened me up a bit. Yeah. Was your Arsenal career at that that point? Um, I think I was. I was. I done. I done all right. We won the league, um, and we won the cups. And I think it was George was on the on the downfall. Right. So George was in, and then Bruce came in. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was good timing. Yeah. You know, if, if I'd have been a goal scorer in midfielder, I think I'd have got away with it. Yeah. Because, you know, you'd have been more of an asset, yeah. more of a commodity to the club. Did they hang you out to dry a little bit? I think so, yeah, I think so. So when, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the, the journey, isn't it? Like, through my career, yeah. like what happened with uh, with Rioc, um and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. Do you, any, any of you had dealings with him? Do you know Bruce at all? No. So, uh, Bruce, the first we knew about Bruce was when John Artson came to the club from Luton. Because John was at Luton with Gregor. Um, Bruce's son, Gregor Rioch. And uh, he, he he said even even his own son hated him. Do you know what I mean? He said, honestly, his, dad's, his dad was like a fucking dictator. Um, you know, he used to send his son on coaching courses in the summer when he was like 14, 15. <laughs> <laughs> you will be a coach, son. You know, and he wanted to go out with his mates and stuff. But um, so he come there and I knew he was a bit of a dick. But um, yeah, when he came there... We'd, the year before, um, I think McAteer had just uh, left Bolton, oh, so they had a they had a hole to fill, and he 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 was interested in me, and we had conversations with my agent and the club and that, and I could have gone there on proper decent money, proper de- much more than I was getting at Arsenal. I mean, I was on shit money. I was on like eight hundred quid a week when we won the league, you know, when people were on six grand. Yeah, um, and I, I didn't do it, and he, he turns up at the club. The misdemeanor had happened, hadn't it, and all of that. And he fucking, he called me in. This is how it started. Like, he, he's such a great fucking manager. The first summer he comes in, he's, we're doing our pre-season, you know, he's beasting us. We're all, we're all putting effort in. And I am fit. I'm fucking turning up pre-season ripped and, you know, I can, I'm, and he, he, he calls me in after one training session and he says uh, that, that the club are thinking of buying a few couple of midfield players. And I want to start thinking about my future, but not in a not in a kind of um, in a way that that you're you're nurturing someone, you're helping someone move on, or do you know what I mean? It was like, huh, yeah. And he turned around and he fight, and he went to me and he went, "I will tell you fucking what," he said, "I was going to buy you last year at Bolton, I'd have made you a fucking millionaire." He went, "I'm fucking glad I didn't." And I thought, "You cunt, <laughs> you fucking cunt! How can you start off our?" And I just wanted to fucking pop him. Then that was it. It just went through my head, like you know what I mean? He's just. How can you say that? I'd, I'd had the greatest managers of all time, right? George Graham, Pat Rice as a youngster, coming up with George Armstrong, all of the Arsenal, you know, breeding and stuff like that. And some fucking prick comes in out of who, who ain't from the Arsenal way, yeah. don't know nothing. He don't know how to look up. We, we was like a family. We looked after each other. If he's got something to say, he needs to look after me a bit. That's the what I'd been used to, you know. Merce got fucking looked after. Um, but Rioc had this... You know, he had this smarmy attitude and, you know, he knew he was going to get platy and I think Bergkamp deal had already been done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think he just started it off on a right shitty note. Um, 
needless. Yeah. Needless shit. Absolutely, you know I mean? mate. Because Abs- you know what it's like pre-season. That's the, that's the best opportunity you've got of getting the most out of every player that year. Is them starting in the pre-season, starting well, yeah, getting, getting a bit of confidence, keeping their fitness... And if you spot someone that's on the up in pre-season, you've got to fucking use him. You've got to, you've got to keep him going. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I just thought shit management, his training was shit. Um, it was all based on what he did as a player. You know, oh, I used to do this. I used to beast myself. After training, I'd go and do six box the boxes. So we're all going to do six box the boxes. Mate, you know, it was just... Could you see that as a running theme that maybe the lads that he didn't fancy, he was just rustling feathers? He did, he upset upset a few. He didn't didn't fancy John, so he didn't like John. Great story. We we played Villa away, I think Tuesday night. Um, John had just done a double-page spread on... He was leaving Arsenal. This is when him on the way out. He, he, he told us all. He, he came in on the Friday. He said, look, lads, it's all coming out on Saturday or Sunday. It's going to be in the paper. I've got 20 grand for it, right? I'm going to tell you now. I, I took the fucking money. I've hung him out to dry. I've said everything. <laughs> I've said what I've got to say about him, about Harry Fields. Done it all. And we had the game on the Tuesday night, I think it was, at Villa Park. And uh, come off the coat. Come, we've all got changed. Oh, I can't remember how the result went. John's on the coach. John, me, John, Martin Keown and Tony Adams are on the coach. I don't know what you used to have after games, but we'd have like a, like a little pasta meal from Sainsbury's or something, but there'd always be a little starter of, of, of smoked salmon and prawns or something like that on every little little table. And the, the guy that used to serve us, uh, Pat was walking around doing, doing all that. And uh, John sat down and he's sat down and he's just got his knife and just picked up his knife. And Riox come in, he's gone, you fucking prick. Something like that. Started the conversation and John's looked up. And John's a fucking unit, right? And John don't take no shit, mate. John's proper. Um, and he's got a knife in his hand. He went, what? You fucking writing stories about me. You this, you that. I'm going to finish your fucking career. I'm going to do this. And then he turned around and went, what? What, you going to do me with the knife? Like to John. And John went, I don't need a fucking knife. And he just... Sorry, sorry, I've knocked your mic off. He's so, <laughs> he stands up. There weren't a microphone there on the coach. That time. He, he, he stands up like that. They're ready to go at it. And then all you see is Martin Keown by the side of him, Tony Adams by the side of him. And then I just stood up by the side of him. <laughs> Obviously a bit smaller, but that was what everybody had his back, mate. Everybody had John's back. Oh, so everybody was? Everybody had John's back. It was like, God, if you just fucking make one punch, it means we can all fucking get one in league. We can get one in <laughs> legally, do, do you know all. what I mean? No, you can't do us all. We're, you know, we're, we're allowed to get one in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he didn't, he didn't make a lot of friends. He must have gone down the front of the bus thinking, fuck me, I've lost this dressing room, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah but it, 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 he was so arrogant. I don't think he did. I think he concentrated on on looking after two or three players and playing to those two or three players' strengths, and he got away with it. I think he knew from the start he was an interim. He was an infield until Arsene Wenger came. Mm-hmm. I think Wenger said, "Look, I'm going to sweeten you by." Um, sorry, I think um, David Dean said, "I'm going to sweeten it by getting you. Um, you're going to get De- Dennis Burkamp this year, David Platt. You know, we're going to get you some good players so you can work with them." Um, and but the, the future was coming because before you knew it, like Vieira came when he was slightly injured before Wenger came. They fucking put him next to me in the change room as well, didn't they? You know your days are out, don't you? When someone <laughs> a nineteen-year-old gets bought for four and a half million from AC Milan and he's sitting next to you in the dressing room, he turns up and he's like, "Fucking a god, he's a giant, he's a specimen." You're thinking, and he just looks. You know he's going to be fucking brilliant, and 
you know, there was no living without, was there? It's a well documented that Ian Wright didn't get on with him in it. Didn't he say something about, was it McGinley? Yeah, he said, he was, our, our this is how play, McGinley does it. Get McGinley in, Joe McGinley in. Yeah, I think, um, I think Wrighty, I, I think it was more Vieira's problem with Wrighty because um, Patrick was so professional from the start. I mean, even if you had banter in, the, if I was having a laugh with someone in the dressing room, you'd be like, shush, shush, please, please, quiet to do. I'm like, what? It's fucking morning. It's the dressing room. Do you know what I mean? And then when he walk out, you cut his socks in, in half, obviously. So that when he comes in, he's going to put his foot through his fucking, you know, his, his Dior sock and he ain't got an end in it. And he's going to be like, oh, these fucking English men or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And it was, it was all a bit a cultural change for him coming in our dressing room, I think. So I think the cultural change probably added to the angst. Yeah. Um, but I... Think things when they, I've heard the, the John McGinley thing and that, and I don't, you know, I, it didn't, I didn't really filter into the dressing room that right. it didn't, it yeah. didn't really get, get anywhere with us. Um, Could you sense that cultural change, that the change was coming, the, the tides were turning, should we say? Yeah. With, with the air and everybody Well, everything in. changed, everything changed, the didn't it? The knowledge. Maybe on the way out. Yeah, the, the knowledge of, the knowledge and, and, and the, the investment in football was so big now that, you know, I mean, they got Wenger in, didn't they? They, I remember when, when they signed Burkamp, he goes in and he gets like 17 grand a week and Wright is only on six. And so Wright is on the fucking door <clears> and he right within five minutes because he had a deal that put his contracts up. And this is what we were saying about local teams like our Bristol City, would, why they won't go that step to, to make the extra money. Because once you start paying one, you've got to pay the next one. And they weren't ready for that yet. Not quite ready for it. Not for all the youngsters. So they had a lot of young lads in the side who filled holes that they used really well for three or four years. There was like four or five of us that sort of filled in, saved them a lot of money. Mm. Um, but yeah, the culture was definitely, the, the training was changing. We had a, um, a, a European Cup Winners Cup game against Mönchengladbach uh, in, I want to say like the, maybe the October before Wenger came. And he wasn't, <clears throat> he was still at Grand Passate at the time, but he turned up, he was at the game, he introduced himself, he didn't do no tactical stuff. All he did was gave everybody a fucking little bottle of stuff before the game. This is what the new culture was. Everybody had a pill and a little bit of creatine. And we was, that was the start of it. You know, you're gonna, your bodies are your temples. You're going to be looking after, you're going to be maximising everything all the time. And that's when the culture changed. The training went from box to boxes to bounding and like jumping in hoops and spinning and SAQs and, and, and stuff like that. It all changed straight away. But he looked after the older ones that weren't, couldn't cope with that. Yeah. The Boldies, the Dixons, the Adams, they're not going to be doing speed and quickness training. You know, at 28, 29, there's not a lot of point doing it. Was he all right with that? Was he all right with them? No, he was, he was, was just still... brilliant with them, mate. I think brilliant. he had to be. Mm. But we've heard it before, haven't we? If you don't like it, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. New manager comes in, my rules. You can fuck off if you're not Wenger, doing it. Wenger was scared of everyone. Arsene Wenger was scared of everyone in that dressing room. The biggest fear he had was someone coming, knocking on his door, saying, Gaffer, why don't you pick me? Or what's happening? He's, honestly, he I just wanted to, keep, that. He wanted to keep... He wants to keep everybody happy. That's why so many people will even ask him and say that, that he was like a dad to me. Because he really did look after every player. He was... He, was, he had the player's best interests at heart. He wanted to avoid confrontation. Um, yeah, he was... And so then where did, the, in those initial months, or where does the respect come from? 
Because mm, it could be seen yeah. as a soft touch in a way. Yeah. No, no, I don't think he was because the respect came in the in the results. Yeah. The respect came from how the players were feeling, from the, what the training was giving them, from the new style, that the confidence he gave that back four. All of a sudden, they was allowed to play the ball across the back and not just get it at the right and pump it up into the front. You know, it was, there was the creativity was coming and everybody got on board. He brought, he brought Ray into the fold really early, Parler, as that driving force, that link player, before, it, before he'd got the, the Overmarses and the Pirezes and that in. So he had his Parler in there. He, he was a clever man. I think everybody, everybody was 100% behind it. Yeah. And, and because he was, he was nice, he was generally wanted to make you the best you was. And completely different, I imagine, from yeah. what was going on at every other club. Well, what was going on in football? George Graham, George Graham, our first manager. When I say our, I mean the group of players that he carried through the the the, the classic group. You know, the Bold Dixon, Adams, Winterburn, Davis, Rowcastle, Smith, Campbell, Wright. That sort of the the, the team that that George had. Um, we was all brought up with discipline, but we knew that he had our back. Yeah, and I, I think everybody knew that Arsenal had their back. So. But that weren't the case with Bruce Rioch. Yeah. Stuart Houston stayed there all the time. He was like the buffer. He was always there, like the coach, you know, just getting, he gets the shit. The manager don't really get it. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it, was, it was all being set up early doors yeah. for, for Wenger to come. Went back just to that then. So you, sorry, Chris, you went back to that then. So obviously, did you start at Arsenal as like 10, 11, 12 year old? No. Had you been somewhere else? No, I'd been, I was at Cheltenham Millwall. Um, until I was 13, about 12 and a half. And then I started training uh, uh, on a Thursday night at the JVC Centre. Arsenal just had their first indoor like centre built into the ground. And it, it was amazing. So they, I started doing that for two years. I was still going to sign for Cholton. They had a coach there called um, Eddie Heath. He got done in that Chelsea scandal thing. So, you know, the kitty. Yeah. Um, but he, he wasn't around to get done. He died back then. But Eddie, Eddie used to... So Eddie would take me twice a week to training for Cholton. Um, he was the best man ever in football. I loved him. Six foot eight. He's just gentle giant. He used to have his little mini bus with all his young, all the lads in it. Take, go and pick us all up, drop us all home. And he would often do that. And, he'd, and he had this thing, when you got in the bus, he'd give you a Mars bar and he'd put it on your leg and he'd say, don't eat that till after training. Do it to every single lad. And when I think back now, I've got to say this in here because I think it's important. When I think back, you don't realise, um, but obviously there were, that was going, I didn't even know. But anyway. It, but looking back, you can see. Looking back, I see that now and I just think, fucking hell, man. You know what I mean? All those times that they come in, give you, chuck your towel to you in the, in the showers when there was no need to. You, it was outside the shower room door. Why was they coming in? Do you know what I mean? So there was shit going on. So I, and them Chelsea guys, I just, I know Eddie was at Chelsea before, but. Um, yeah, so there was a, there was a load of shit going on, and, and anyway, there was a little bit of that going on at the time. Eddie, I didn't know Eddie weren't well. I was going to still sign for Cholton, and then two weeks before my fourteenth birthday, um, Eddie died. I got a message from the Cholton saying Ed, Eddie's, Eddie's died. So I just said to me, Dad, I'm not signing for Cholton now. I'm going to sign for Arsenal because they'd offered me a schoolboys, and yeah, so I started at fourteen. And then I signed at 16 um, for, I signed for Terry Neal, but a week later I was working for Don Howe, because that's football, wasn't it? Right at the start of the season. <laughs> that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Don was a great coach. And I, like I said, Pat Rice, my first youth team coach. 
Yeah, and it started then. Won the FA Youth Cup, which they hadn't for 20 odd years. So we had a, we had a cracking team. Yeah, tough love in that youth team. Yeah, I think football was tough anyway, wasn't it? You know, it was, it was about getting on the line, wasn't it? Standing on the line, being ready all the time. That was, I think they was looking for as much, as much as a good a player you was, they was looking for what you could, you know, your passion, your energy and your commitment to the, to the cause. Uh, Arsenal they were anyway, to being an Arsenal player. Um, the, the youth team and schoolboys, the youth team, the, the reserves and the first team all had the same training plan every day. Even back then, we'd all be doing the same sessions. Like Judge Graham. We'd be doing the same throw-ins. Yeah, you'd do yeah. the same throw-ins in the schoolboys as the first team were doing. You'd be doing the same spins. It sounds... <laughs> I, as, it weren't always like that at every club, but that sounds actually as if that would be the normal way. Because if, you, if you've got a youth team playing, who then goes and playing the reserves, yeah, that was his, he knows what his crack is. You're still in a philosophy, aren't you, from yeah. Graham? That was his process. It's a very simple, it's a very simple, uncomplicated... Um, uh, way of playing football that, that can that can get you you know players to come in and fill the spaces when yeah, they need yeah. to and you get the progression but but we got sussed after four, four or five years of it at the top do you know what I mean it, people didn't they knew we was going to go and win the second ball so they just sit off they'd pick you off and then then it did become about the technical quality of players and stuff like that so things had to change but but he had that going from the start um, and it was tough there was a lot of swearing a lot of it was very misogynistic in its, in, its, in its way. It was a very manly place to be. Do you know what I mean? Very fucking manly. You know, if, if you fell over, you was a wimp or a pussy or whatever. If you puked, you got laughed at. Um, and then you still had to run again. Um, Did you deal with that all right? All right. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you, if, oh, well, I, I saw your pod with Kevin. Um, you know me and Kevin are best mates, right? We go back from like 12 playing Sunday football up against each other. Um, and what I've seen Kevin go through in the dressing room, I don't know what he said on the... I didn't watch it all. But I've seen Pat Rice this far away from Kevin's face, spraying, spitting him, calling him all the lazy fucking, you need to do this. And I'll tell you what Kevin would do. He'd go, all right, boss, come on, let's go and do an extra hour finishing. And he'd get the balls and he'd go out and do it. And it was tough, but Kevin will say that's, that drove him. That, you know, he had someone, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't racist. It was just very manly way of dealing with things. You know what I mean? Get in your face, slap, not slap you around, but almost shake everybody. Come on, get very hands on. Wouldn't happen today. Um, very physically intimidating. And the right way to do it for, for you. What's right for, for Kev? Who's right for, yeah. For, for Kev, maybe. I mean, there'd, there'd have been another way of doing it, I'm sure. Um, you know, you, there's more than, more than one way to train a dog, aren't there? You know, you can beat it or you can give it treats. But what I'm saying is I just think the whole thing around football was, was a male-dominated power sort of strong place. The strongest will survive, you know. Yeah, yeah. Weak ones will get put by. If you did a run and, and the, the one who came last would get punished... Why? If he, why would you punish someone that came last if they weren't just as fit as the others? Now you're going to kill him because you're going to punish him. Yeah. You're going to make him run it again. You know, I'd seen, I'd, we used to do a six mile cross country run and, and if the coach beat you, you had to run it again. 
But the coach, George Armstrong, was like a marathon runner. It was like, <laughs> you know, it's like having Mo Farah behind you. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what, why are you punishing people? Because now they understand that people have got different levels. There's all of this. So, but back then it was a very much, come on, the strongest, you know, and all of that. And that was the mentality. And that was perfect for me. They'd, they'd even take the piss out of people's, how big you were in the shower or whatever, just to try and, you know, to, it was all that. It was all motivating you to try and, be the most confident, best yourself. That's what I felt that they was doing. <laughs> and that's what their driving, their driver was. And we got success from it. The other people would see that as bullying, wouldn't they? Yeah. It's like, it's like pushing you down to make you more confident. Don't really make sense. No, it doesn't. That's what I'm saying. You don't, you don't, why, but people have got more of an understanding now. But yeah. what I'm saying was the mentality of us, because of where we came from, we, we all knew that. We all got, we all got slapped by our dads. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've never hit my kids, all right? But my, my dad used to hit me. My dad, if I'd done something wrong, fuck me, I'd, I'd get that left hook. I've been hit across a room before, you know, for drinking a glass of orange juice that was for me little brother. But, you know, I, and I think times have changed. And I don't, I don't, I'm not having, a, my dad brought me up superb. Yeah, yeah. My dad brought me up superb. I'm not knocking it, but there, it was a it was a time when that was the culture to do that, and because because it was a drinking culture as well, and because it was a gambling culture, it was just so blokey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So absolutely blokey. It's, it's a finding world. a balance, I think, between as we talked about, every individual person needs something different mm, to get the best yeah. out of them. And, and kids today are not coming from that background. They're not coming from my background. They yeah. they, they may still be, but if they're any good when they're eight they're in an academy and they're getting looked after and they're getting, they're getting now channeled into a, they, they've now got a, a program, a structure to, you know, so I mean, I see what the kids that would do. I go, I play in a lot of masters games, things like that. And I'm good friends with like Jeremy, Ali Adair. He's got a boy at Arsenal. Um, there's a couple of other lads. Pears got a lad at, at Arsenal, Mertesacker, um, good player. Um, Robert Pires, his son was at Arsenal. Lawrence, had a boy who was at Arsenal. They've all pulled him out. They've all taken him out. And and the conversation I was having uh, was with Jeremy. And he, I was saying, why, why are they coming out? And they, Jeremy's boy's the only one still in there. He said, I think they don't... The commitment from the kids now is just ridiculous, what they have to do. You know, they're thinking about... You've got 10 and 11-year-old kids thinking about like not playing like that with their mates. They're thinking about, oh, they've got to do this and this stretching session tonight and they've got to do that on their mat and then they've got to do their KPIs and then they've got to do, um, fill out their dietary forms and their fitness assessment for that week is coming up. And I'm thinking, I was just standing on a line ready to run. Hey, yeah. and <laughs> on a Saturday morning, and in on between. a Sunday morning, yeah. on a Tuesday evening, on a Wednesday evening. And in between being a kid. Absolutely, in between climbing the, Climbing the cage, robbing sweets from the local <laughs> shop. Yeah, do you know, playing knockdown ginger with the old bloke that couldn't walk properly. Making <laughs> <laughs> like to get to the door fucking four or five times, you know. Probably killed him. <laughs> fucking, but to be fair, that's good from them that they've thought about their yeah, children more than the children being a footballer. Yeah. It's taking enjoyment a, out of it, isn't it? But they're, they're in a privileged position, them guys can make that decision. You've got yeah. a boy, right? You've got a lad who's a potentially going to be a player. Right at twelve, you could be thinking, "Look, he's sorted. He's yeah. like a you don't even have to be decent to get a million quid a year now. Yeah, you've only got to work for five, six, seven from years. An underprivileged background yourself. You know, if you're oh. if you're struggling along in life and there's a chance of your lad yeah. becoming a footballer, 
It's, it's just this big net like they throw out and it annoys me, right? A big net that like they throw out and they catch 300 kids, but they catch 300 families as well. And they all get bought into it. They all buy into it. That kid gets tracksuits where the other kids don't. That kid gets taken everywhere where the other kids don't. Because if they're in a socially deprived area and they ain't got the money, the income, their focus is on the, 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 the main child, the one that's going to bring the breadwinner bread in. And at 16, all he ends up being is a good level non-league player. Yeah. Which is why we've got fucking brilliant non-league levels now. Because <laughs> everybody's been at an academy. Every player has. Everybody's had much... I have never. I don't even know what they do academy-wise, phases of playing all that. I just played football. Yeah. Um, but these kids are clever now. And the, the level's up there. But the expectation is not fulfilled. Yeah. So the families are left eye and dry. I think it's, it's, it's a cutthroat business. So it was your experience yourself coming through with them when you first... First taste of the, the first team dressing room and the the experienced pros. Did you get a bit of uh, I, well, yeah, we always education? Had, we always say? had to, so you had to do a speech. Right. Yeah, and you had to include something about the manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, you know, and I, he was like a dad figure. He honestly, he was, I would like, you know, I'd put the porno down when he came in the room. You know, I'd put my <laughs> porn mag down. I'd stop swearing. Dad's in the room. But... Uh, yeah, I just made some stupid speech and I slaughtered his cardigan. Oh, he had a bad cardigan. It was a bad <laughs> one. It was like one of them 1970s ones with the zigzags in it. <laughs> and I said something about, you know, don't, can't you get that Brighton with, and you get a little monkey on your shoulder normally, don't you? And they have a picture. You know, Everyone's got that picture. And they, when they're a kid, holding a tiny little monkey in a, in a tank top. <laughs> and uh, and he, he just looked at me and he went, you're a fucking idiot. He said, just go and play the fucking game, what I told you. And I'm like... All right, boss. Everybody <laughs> loved it, didn't they? They was just they knew what he'd do. They knew he'd, he'd do that to me. And um, I had a decent game. It was uh, Chester in the I don't know, I don't even know what it was. Was it, was it the Coca Cola or Rumbelows or something yeah, back then? Milk. Yeah, like and uh, I actually got I got man of the match, right? And you'll love this, John. It was a great prize. It was a radio cassette football, <laughs> a Coca Cola one. Be worth a fortune now. So it's a radio cassette in the shape of a football with Coca-Cola on it. That was the man of the match award of the day. Was that because you were too young to get or no, the champagne? No, 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 they didn't do that, that then. They didn't do that then. Yeah, prizes. Win, they, yeah. Win, that was a big prize for, for, the, for the cup competitions back in the day. They give you, give you like a, yeah. I mean, when, when, I won the, when we won the FA Cup and the League Cup, JVC gave us a £500 voucher to go up to Tottenham Court Road to go and spend in there, to go and spend on some JVC stuff. On a new washing machine. Yeah, or whatever. Or t- I brought a camcorder or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> like 18 lads all going up there with a £500 voucher into a store in Tottenham Court Road. Like all, all top, top pros in, in their league. No one even knew it was us. We just walked in there, walked out. And... Fucking madness back in the day, you know. And it was, but it shows you everyone was playing for the football, really. But yeah, they was they was they was the golden days. I think Kev said that he felt that he was part of the squad when he was first invited out for a drink on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I've got to be careful with the Tuesday club because everyone was married and one or two are still married to the same people. You don't so, have to mention any names. <laughs> all right, so all right, so we won't mention names. Well, right, the yeah. wives are there, they're wicked Tuesday, out. Right? Tuesday club was fucking brilliant, right? There was a little, little Scottish bloke. He was in there all the time. Yeah, he played for Man City and like. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, yeah, no, Tuesday club. Yeah, I mean, Kev was Kev could Kev could drink. He used to drink Diamond White, which was about ten percent, right? And he would have like ten bottles of it, and he would be normal. But Kev, I, I know Kev's a beast. I mean, he is, 
he ain't got a, he, he, when he used to get stripped off, he didn't have like a muscular body. It was like just someone had carved it on a tree trunk, like just carved, the, carved little chest lines out and the little things like that and just made everything really fucking hard. Like everything else was really fucking hard. That was Kev. Um, so, but yeah, Kev was a phenomenon physically. Uh, and yeah, he could, he could take it. My first, my first foray was like four pints, throw up, um, taxi home. But we, yeah, Dover Street Wine Bar, Tuesday night after the um, after the European after the Europeans really was our big our, our big night out or any cup games, but you had you had a certain culture with I think the South London boys were not real drinkers. Um, we'll probably talk about the fact that I've smoked a bit of dopamine time later on, <laughs> but I, would, I think my side of things more came more the people I came from had a little puff and that weren't really drinkers and all of that. So in the summer, that's probably what I'd do. I went and through the season, I was the cleanest out of everyone I was like not doing nothing I was not drinking I wasn't really into all that so I was kind of pretty sober at a lot of these Tuesday nightclubs yeah. I mean I've walked a lot of off. fucking my roommates home yeah. <laughs> I've, I've answered the door a lot of times at five o'clock in the morning to a drunk man and a couple of fucking people of a different sex <laughs> in each on each arm and I've, I've you know I think it was standard for me like oh ooh, Go to Hills' room. Hills will be in. Hills will be in. He'll let you use the room. And yeah, so that was that was that was my kind of a lot of it. Wandering it corridors like again. Yeah, yeah. I'll be fucking like, come on. Fucking um, yeah. So we've we've. <laughs> would, you, would you you still be there? Like, would you still have to be there with with the lads if you weren't drinking? Oh yeah, no, I'm still there. You know, you got other people that didn't. Smudger would Smudger would be out all night. He was teetotal. So Alan Smith wouldn't even drink. Yeah, he'd be out all night and he'd stay there till three in the morning. And he would stay and he would he was golden. Do you know what I mean? He'd be proper. Yeah, and, and there was lads that did that. And you had, you had Paul Davis, who we called him the Midnight Mist. He, he, you know, all of a sudden he's in the room, then all the doors are locked and then, and then he's gone. <laughs> he's got out of the fucking room. He's just <laughs> under the door. He's fucking just, but he got in rooms like that as well. <laughs> so you'd be in a room one night, maybe with a little, and, and then under the door. Oh, is that a chill come in the room? No, it's fucking Dave, isn't it? <laughs> so all of a sudden you've got a third hand. It's like a bit fucking weird, but uh, well, you know, we had it was it was we had a fucking great team spirit all the way through. And the great thing was the young lads, like myself, coming to the side, not as good a players as some of the others as well. Technically, we took that on board. We all had something to bring to the table, um, you know. And I think they'd all appreciate that. There's no one, no one could mark someone out of a game like I could back in the day. Yeah. And I'd done some amazing jobs for that team um, by doing that. So I'd, I'd earned my way in the team by my commitment to giving to the team. Yeah. What was your standout game on that front where you've gone in and just done a job on somebody? I had a few. I, I had a game against Roy Keane at Forest. We played them in the cup. Fucking hell, I camped all over him, mate. He was my dream player to play against because he, Carlton Palmer, perfect for me. He used to rangy, long, simple runs, not clever players, easy to pick off. Roy Keane weren't a clever player when he made runs. He just, he, he was just direct third man run. That's all it was. It was standard training into the front, back into the midfield. The other midfielder goes, just track his run. And, and, and then I could just, I, I had the ability to get the ball off him and I could play a pass. So I could just come out of it, just play a pass off. Um, you've got to be as fit as him though, aren't you? To, oh, to be was, able to do that, you've got to be as fit. fit as Roy Keane. Easily. I was fitter than Roy Keane. In fact, I was so fit that when he got stuck at a nightclub, when we was out that night and he didn't get in, 
because he had no because he had trainers on. I run back to the hotel, got a pair of shoes, and come back. <laughs> I was that fit. I still had enough running, in, and, he, and he owes me a pair of Gucci loafers. If he's listening. Yeah. That was how fit I was. Fucking, um, but I could, I could, I had a good that I was a good distance, a good, and I had a good pace over that distance, and I used to pick them off. Um, best game I ever played, I think, for Arsenal was probably I played against Torino in the quarterfinals of the Cup Winners' Cup over there and I played against an unknown player called Benito Carbone if you remember him at the time before he travelled over here and he was a sensation for them and he was playing just in, just as a number 10 so I had to, I, we, we went out there with a back five but George said it's a back five but you're marking him in front and then when we get the ball you're dropping in to sweep as a sweeper so I was like loving it. I was going in, marking in, winning the ball, all of a sudden dropping off, getting the ball back to me and just had space to go left and right. It's a dream role if, if you can get it. And, and he was the perfect player because he weren't a big centre forward. He didn't come and sit on the centre halves, kept going in the hole and he didn't want to come in. He weren't going to close down. So yeah, I had the, the best, game of me, best game of my life. Got home, got the shirt, got Benito's shirt, got it signed by him after the game. <laughs> Got man of the match. Um, and then funny story, 20 years later, my dad had an operation. This is changing the subject. Had a heart operation. Doctor called Dr. Khan. This shows you how dodgy my fucking dad is. A doctor called Dr. Khan did the operation, triple bypass. Six months later, I'll get a phone call from Dr. Khan. He says, oh, David, I wanted to thank you for that Torino shirt you gave me with Benito Carboni's <laughs> signature on it. <laughs> he said, it was so kind of you. And to sign it, thank you, Dr. Khan, for all the, all the work you've done on my heart, my dad's heart, <laughs> David Illier. He said, that was very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> my fucking old man had wrote on it for him and give him the shirt. <laughs> my dad. Before he'd done the operation. No, no, this is after, this is after. But fucking hell, can you believe that? Like 20 years down the line, I think I've got this bit of memorabilia. <laughs> Never spoke to me dad about it. And I'll get a phone call out of blue from a doctor who says, thanks for this shirt, <laughs> for signing it. So yeah, that but it was my best game and I've lost the memory that, that I had from it because of me old man. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah. Some characters in that team, eh? Tony Adams, yeah. Merson, Parler. Yeah. There must be fucking nuggets of stories on them, them three alone. The stories are more just drinking stories with them. You know, we, we went to Mion Valley Golf Club. This was quite a big thing for me. It was, it was Paul Davis' testimonial golf week. We'd had a, we'd had a, good, um, a good week of, of dinners and bits and pieces for Davo. Ended in a golf day, all in the summer. Um, the gaffer, the gaffer had taken us to... Um, Meon Valley Country Club at the end of it in Ports down in um, Hampshire. So it gets on the coach. We have a fight, first of all, don't we? First thing we do is have a fight because <laughs> we're all drunk. We've all played golf all day. And uh, Mickey Thomas and Lee Dixon are pretending to be Chris Eubank and whoever he was fighting at the time. And Mickey Thomas did a really good impression. I kind of Chris Eubank and all of that. And uh, so I come in and I just fucked around. I was like, come and stop it, guys, fucking around like that. And, and the dicko just fucking smashes me straight in the face to me. <laughs> Literally, like, bang, right through my tongue, bit through my tongue, fucking claret everywhere. So then I'll just fucking start fighting. Like, a, <laughs> So three of us are having this mad fight. Everyone's piling in. Tony Adams at the front, 
with a gaffer like that. <laughs> Both of them drunk, asleep at the front of the coach. Just let it go on there. So that's yeah. how the trip started. It ended with Merce in a bar opening a fire extinguisher on a girl that had just chucked a jug of ice water over him. And then he's as he lets the fire extinguisher off on her, he steps back onto a bar stool that goes up, hits him in the groin, right? That puts him out of the start of next season. <laughs> but then... They, no, this is days when the police didn't get called. I don't know how we got away with this shit, right? So it's, it's all gone off in there. There's a fight starting. The, Boldy and Tony always got involved. Always like fucking like that. Straight away, <laughs> like two fucking colossus. You're not getting past us. The centuries. what do we need to do to sort it? Because they could sort it. They were sober enough always to get money out or to... Anyway, gets worse that night. <laughs> Merce and Tony have carried on drinking. They go back to the wrong room. They haven't got the key, so they kick the door open. They go in and there's a woman laying in the bed just on a weekend break at the country club, three days in, screaming the hotel down, like, this is all in one night, right? So John so Adams and Merson have kicked some random woman's door in? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they thought it was their door. They thought it was their room and neither of them had the key. So they booted it down to go in there, like, because they that was like, this is our room. And it is, down, there it goes. And they're in, they're in there. It is a ball out walking back to reception. Though, isn't it? But, <laughs> you, there's still something going on in reception at this time. So in the reception at this time, Colin Pates has fell asleep on a... Shay's Lounge. This is our last night at the Mion Valley Country Club, and they was obviously they loved having us there. You know, it was, it was a great, it was a really great. Week. And then uh, I don't know how it happened, but in the morning, Colin Pates wakes up on this chair, and Colin Pates had quite a, he was quite gifted in the old department, right? Massive cock. Yeah, one of them. But he had a lot of skin on the top of it, right? <laughs> so Jimmy Carter decided he'd fill it, right? <laughs> You know the little balls you get that they put around the artificial plants that are like little fucking marbles? He put about 30 of them in Pacey's foreskin, right? So Pacey wakes up with this big heavy weight sticking fucking like that and he makes... And he looks like, and he's laying in reception. Everybody coming in the, in the hotel has seen him. Well, his old man's out. His old man's out. It's full of these things in the end of it that Jimmy had stuffed in it, right? <laughs> and... Uh, and David Dean came in and just swept up the mess. We got him out. Weren't even a... With the tweezers. One. That's how we do it. See him anywhere. And that was football at the time. That was it. He came in and on the Monday morning, no one heard nothing. No one heard nothing. So, uh, the, so the, the David Dean, the chairman. David Dean, yeah, he was a chairman. But we, we used to, there was loads of things like that. I mean, George, me and Kev... Uh, got called in by the gaffer. Kevin had this party at his house. And Kevin was a really good friend with this girl called Karen Brady. I don't know if you know Karen. So Karen was, at the time, was working for the Sunday Sport or Daily Sport, whatever it was. And she had access to a lot of girls, you know, all the girls in the sport. So Kev said, he's having a 21st birthday party. And uh, I was his main man. Like, obviously, we'd done everything together as lads. So he planned this party at his house. And he had these different themed rooms. Turned up at a party and there's like 10 blokes and 40 page three girls. That's it. That's the party, 
Right, 10, it worked out good 10, 20 blokes. <laughs> 10, 20 blokes. I think he would add a fucking nick to that party. There's, about, there's a garage full of beer, a barbecue with only king prawns, right? All you can eat is king prawns, champagne and beer. That's it, right? Kevin, and it's this big party. We have this party. I'd, I'd recently moved in with a girl, that, not my wife. We'd had a couple of years apart and I met a girl on holiday and brought her back. She stayed at home. I went, Kevin had this party. I went to this party. It was amazing, right? It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And at one point in this party, there, there, there's, a, there's a photographer that used to be for the sun. He looked like a bit of that, a uh, bit like that bloke who'd done the races with the long hair who did the tip John McCritty. John McCritty. He looked about him, right? So he looked like him. He was a photographer for the, for the sun or something. And he come to do it. Right, dirty perv. It was right up his street. <laughs> right up his street, it was. You can make like a greasy air, little glass. He's like, <laughs> right, dirty bastard. So he's come in there, and, and there was one picture in particular he took, and it was me and Kev in the middle of all of the girls, and they're all got their tops up like that, right? And it's it's like, well, there was 30 girls, so that's 60 tits, 60 tits, and me and Kev, 62 tits in a picture, right? Right? And, and it is like, and a bottle of Grolsch in each hand and we look at each other like that. Fucking, what are we doing here? <laughs> like that. So about three weeks later, fucking George Graham calls us in the office. He says, uh, I've had a, individually, calls us in one at a time. He said, I, there's, a, there's something going to come out. I know you're with someone, Dave. He said, there's something going to come out in a paper on Sunday. So it's going to be a picture of you with a load of page three girls. He said, so you might want to pop to your local shop and buy every fucking copy of the paper <laughs> before your missus does, right? Or your dad or your mum and tells her. So I said, all right, Gaffer, thanks for the heads up. Yeah, thanks for the heads up. So Kevin, so Kevin goes in, says the same to Kevin. Kevin comes out and he goes, all right, Kev, Kev, hold on, come back in here. So I was like, what the fuck? And he, it was quite a sharp tone coming out and Kevin's gone back in, what the fuck? And Kevin's in there for like fucking 10 minutes thinking, what the fuck's going on? And he says, he comes out and he went, do you know what? He's just fucking stood there and had a go at me for fucking 10 minutes about that fucking party. I said, what do you mean I had a go at you about the party? He said, why I didn't fucking invite him. <laughs> he said, he, he said, he said, he's fuck, yeah. He said, why weren't, he said, 10 minutes he's been asking me why, why he weren't fucking invited. <laughs> and that was, that was the kind of like looking after each other, you know, getting the best of your players and, we followed the same sort of route that he come from as well. Yeah. You know, he was a bit of a charmer, old George. Um, so yeah, so there was plenty of opportunities. Everybody who's played for him just sit, talks about how much they loved him, and how he distilled that togetherness. Mm. And I'd give you fifty quid. Same. He'd give you fifty quid to buy drinks, and then he'd fucking he'd discipline you for getting drunk. <laughs> so was there a, was there a discipline? Element? It was carrot and stick, yeah. isn't it? And it's yeah. the, it's fucking carrot and stick, and that's what people that's what it works. You know, we we go like that a little bit, and you get a bang on the head, don't you? And you go for it a little bit, and you get a tap on the hand when you take too much. And I think that was what, what we had was a good balance of players who accepted that as his rule. That's that's the way he ruled. Like I said, it was the same all the way through. It was the same from the youth team all the way through. So what are the boundaries though? Like when do you get the tap on the head because. Like, well, you got, never know, do you? With a, with a, with a, when do you actually, what, what, were there an incident where you're like, it's gone too far and the lads well, have ended up getting fined a couple of weeks and, and all that? Yeah. There must have been somewhere, just like, 
You'd think Obviously, a foreskin full of ball bearings would be too far. In the middle of a hotel reception. <laughs> in a hotel reception. No. Kicking a door in. There's a fucking poor Doris in there. No, no. Petrified. No. 62 tits in the paper. <laughs> we had... We, we, Pre-season tour, we went, we went on tour to Sweden. Jules liked Sweden. Um, but we, had, we used to go to Sweden every year. And it, it was his daughter's wedding one year. He says, I'm, I'm leaving three days in. He says, I'm going back. It's her wedding. I'm, Stuart's going to take over for the rest of the trip. We was like... So first night out, we, they, they had bendy buses in Sweden years ago. We fucking commandeered a bendy bus, didn't we? After, after a night on a boat, got a bendy bus. We got every person we could find at every bus stop. Got them on the bendy bus. Who's driving? We took them all back to the the bus driver. Oh, right. we, fucking, we, got, we got him as well. He was involved. He couldn't get out of it. And we made him drive all the way back to the hotel. We got like 72 people got off a fucking bus. It was only like 15 footballers. And we got everyone back into the hotel and we was partying and it was, he couldn't stop it. No one got done for that. No one got done. It all, everybody was nice in the morning and everybody was happy with what they ended up with and who they ended up with. And, you know. Well, do you think he just thought, looked at it and just thought, let them no off fucking the... point. I just bad. think I just think the lads, the lads were, were were almost kind of respectful in the way we did it. It weren't <laughs> they were respectful a, in the it, way you were disrespectful. It weren't a dirty, nasty, seedy like we're going out being assholes and being flashed with money or anything like that. We they just had a really good time and the gaffer was happy to do that. But knowing the next morning you put it in. Because it was old school again. It, mm, I told you, yeah. it was the one, you know, it was sweat it out. I mean, yeah. that's the most ridiculous thing in the world, isn't it? You really need to go to bed. It's an illness. When, you, <laughs> when you've got a hangover, you're poisoned. So, you know, you can't sweat poison out. It's, it's, um, so, yeah, it was just that culture, but everybody was able to operate in it. Mm. Um, and the foreign boys couldn't. Sorry, Dave. On a Tuesday, I think I've listened to someone, it might have been Parler talking about, he was trained at Highbury and he knew fine well that his were all out, but he'd get his running. Basically, try earning your yeah Tuesday yeah. out. Your yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of the time we'd do we'd like maybe he'd get us in at the club on a Tuesday and we'd do a double session and we'd do like the we'd do the stands and all of that. But then straight after that, it wasn't me because I, I the thing that I always had with Arsenal. I lived away, right? So I lived in, in over in Welling in Kent, and I travelled to Arsenal from there every day. So it was a fifty-five mile drive home from there. So I couldn't really afford to go to the Bell and have like sink six or seven pints after training like they would. But I tell you what, mate, being in that warm up on a you di you didn't. I, I always made sure I was at the front of a warm up on a Thursday and a Friday. Because if you was at the back, you just, it's just like fucking fumes and smell of beer and alcohol. <laughs> it's like, it is, it's like being in the, in the bottom of a barrel, honestly. And it's just, the smell's coming from the front. And they, they just, the boys cope with it. I mean, Ray used to, oh, Ray was a demon with the drink. He really, he really could smash it with the lads. And he got in early. There was that little gambling culture. So there was four or five of them that gambled. They'd all be a bit closer than the rest of us and I t tend to migrated with the black guys really the, the, you know probably yeah they weren't as big a drinkers no they weren't they weren't and it was it, and because of a cultural thing you know there was more West Indian Caribbean it weren't the sort of yeah. thing they did they, they'd sip rum punches if they went out or have rum and coke or something like that and that was probably my thing brought up in South London with them boys whereas the, the North London and the Essex sort of boys and that they was they was more into their gambling and and a bit of drinking and... More into the Caribbean cuisine. You're Me? Yeah. Yeah, I like don't... the herbs and spices and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Bob Marley cuisine, yeah, yeah. He used, used to catch up with me in the summer. He used to catch up with me in the summer, but this, listen, I'm, a, I'm pro. I'm pro, it, so I'm not anti, yeah. you know, I'm not anti-marijuana at all. 
You know, I think if it weren't for people taking the piss with it and it, it does obviously run organisations and people get hurt because of being in the business, I think they should legalise it. It's got medical benefits for people um, if taken the right way, even if it's not CBD, even if you have it as normal cannabis, it's still got the, yeah. the CBD oil in it, so you still get benefits. Um, but, you know, that's, that's for another... That's for another conference. That's for, well, we're in Bristol, aren't we? I'll go to March soon. There's always a fucking March in Bristol. <laughs> it's fucking it, isn't it? There'll always be something to fucking March for. What was the, the crack the when you got unwashed. done with it? When you got done, the, the drugs test? So oh, I, I lied, didn't I? I told them I just passive smoked. And I, I got I got tested on, on, on the Monday morning. Um, I think Gary Lewin said they're here, blah, blah, blah. I just went and took a piss like you do. Um, but I'd been out on a Saturday night. We got beat by a mill wall in the cup. It was fucking shit. Really, everyone was really depressed. It was in my own area as well. I was a Bermondsey, like South London boy, and I went out in Bermondsey that night. And I, I, I did. I was giving it a bit large. I was buying champagne. I was doing this, doing that, being a right twat. And yeah, someone just said, "Oh, do you want? I've got some weed." Oh, I don't think it was weed back then. I don't think they had it back then. I think it was like the hashish or whatever. Yeah. And I literally, I had three or four puffs on it outside, and went back in. Monday morning, as soon as I, I, he called me, I thought, oh, fuck, here we go. It's going to, you know what I mean? It's going to, I'm fucked here. Um, but then I thought, oh, well, Mercy's done for, been done for coke. I'll be fine. So, um, and I went there. I was injured at the time. I'd had, um, it didn't, the test don't go through for weeks and weeks and weeks. So you don't get taken out straight away. You know what I mean? There's, they've got to test your sample. And then, then you have to go back to the place and they test your second sample in front of you. Um, which I think is a bit, just, just do it, mate. You know, it's, yeah. you fucking, it's just bullshit, isn't it? Like sort of rubbing your nose in it. I know I've done it. Um, and I just said to the club that, you know, and this would be the first time I've told anyone this, so, you know, f f exclusive for you. Uh, that, uh, I, was, I said it was passive smoking. My brother was a, quite a heavily, heavy dope smoker. He was a, a bike rider. Um, it was in my house from when we was kids, like, you know, mum, dad, friends smoking it it was like it was just a thing people would sit in the front room we wouldn't even think wouldn't even think about it, it wasn't a weren't a thing my brother then got you know i just said like i've been around him a lot i've been in the car with him and they accepted that because it was a really low level it was yeah. i mean it was just four literally four drags on a joint i never did it during the season i'd have a puff when i went on in on holiday in the summer if we went to spain i'd always just get a little bit when you're out there you know a bit of party uh, a bit of party party and and uh yeah we I got done with it and they basically said it's you've you've been out you haven't played for six weeks because you've been injured but we can we're going to say that that's fine um, so officially I've not been done for I've right. not had a ban or anything from football for smoking cannabis that, that the just six weeks into is yeah so well, would you it was like a in lieu of sort yeah. of thing. Do you know what I mean? So just, you would just, have got a ban though. And, and I got I got secondary tested straight away, and, yeah. and it was fine. And I got tested, target tested for for years after that. Yeah. And they was all fine. So it was like you know they 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 you, you kind of can't mark your card. Yeah. Listen, listen. Like I said to you, it's it's a fair cop, isn't it? I hold my hands up. If you get caught, you get fucking yeah, caught. Yeah, do yeah. You, you do the crime, you do the time. And as as with the bag thing, I learnt my lesson. <laughs> Fucking the next ten years in football, I didn't have cannabis in my system. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it was, it was, it was done. Mm. Just, just an idiotic way to learn it. Yeah. Again, naivety, just being a stupid kid, like coming from the area, and um, yeah, just, just a fucking, just a bad decision. Any crack on Perry Groves? 
Any crack on him? I, I fucking hate him, ginger twat. <laughs> <laughs> no, do, no, do you know what? Me and Perry get on brilliant now, but I hated him when he was at Arsenal. He used to give me so much stick. So he used to take the piss out of the way I spoke. So, because I hung around with the black legs, I'd, I'd go like... So now and again, I'd kiss my teeth or I'd go, yeah, man, that's cool. Or, you know, blood clot or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do that, right? But that was where I was from. And, and then I'd hear fucking someone in the background going, blood clot, blood clot. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, man. <laughs> fucking Perry. <laughs> fucking cunt. He's a twat. He fucking, we, we had, we had a five, playing a five-a-side once and he, uh, he was in goal, right? He was in goal. And I did say it out on the pitch and I, I, I think I nutmeg Kevin Richardson or something like that, right? And, and Richo, Richo was a right, he was one of them like, he thought he was like your dad. He'd tell you all the things you was doing wrong. Like, oh, Dave, 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 you've got to know what you're going to do with it before you get it. Uh, you've got to open your body out, you know. You want to take that with your left foot and turn out that way. I'm like, fucking shut up, Kev. <laughs> I fucking just want to play football the way I play football. You, you know, just... But anyway, so, yeah, Kev was like that. It was... Um, and Perry playing this game and I nutmeg Kev and I went, oh, there you go. And I said something smart and he tried to have a hack at me and, and took me out. And I'd gone, what the fuck, man? Like that. And Perry had gone... Perry was in the goal and he, Perry went, what the fuck, man? Like that. And I just went fucking... I just ran straight at him, straight at the goal. And you know the five-a-side goals are only that high, aren't they? So what it, me and him both just went both the, with the goal over the top of it. I just straight line, clotheslined him, took him out and was going... And then, he, and then and when we was on the floor, he was going, I'm going to tell the gaffer that you smoke spliffs. I'm going to tell you you smoke spliffs. Like that. I was like, fuck off. Ginger cunt. And then... <laughs> so he goes off the me and goes, um, goes, goes Southampton and, you know, hurts his Achilles and all that and blah, blah, does what he does. And then it turns up, I'm 36 and I'm, I go to a Masters d uh, game. We're meeting at the airport. I'm walking over to all the lads, they're all standing there, fucking Groves is straight up and see him, can't he? he still had air then and he was like glowing like a fucking Belisha beacon, like <laughs> fucking. And I'm walking over and he turns around and he goes, Ilzy, take your bag. <laughs> First thing he fucking says, like talk about starting off, he goes, Ilzy, take your bag. <laughs> I'm like, fucking hell, Perry. I went, yeah, all right, son. Yeah, fair play, mate. Fair play. And you know what? Get on brilliant with him now. Fucking yeah. get on, get on like house on fire. Yeah, we do the Arsenal TV together. We do the lounges upstairs. Um, yeah, we have great bands. Um, but it's funny, like, when you're in football, you know what I mean? Every, every, you hate everybody at times. Yeah. But when you come out of it, it don't really matter. It was all just, it was just part of something we was really lucky all to do. I think he's, <laughs> he spoke about when Ian Wright first signed that he might have thought he was a little bit too big for his boots. So I think Perry Goals took it on himself to wind him up in a way. <laughs> Yeah, but how do you wind up someone that is just fucking brilliant? Do you know what I mean? And was and he a bad trainer, Ian Wright? A bad trainer? No, I don't think in particular. He was he he trained he trained to what he needed to train to. I mean, but no, we never had no bad trainers. Everybody put new. Everybody would take the piss when Stuart was there. They'd always like if just the coach you was left with just the coach. It'd always be you know ten percent less, a bit more banter, a bit more jokey, a bit more of a laugh. As um, soon as the gaffer come in, no, that wouldn't happen. 
It might have been. Did you have a yellow jersey and they were just giving it to you and right to wind him up, even though he wasn't yeah, that bad? Yeah, we've done that and he'd be constantly put... I think when he came... I, see, when he came, I was only just in the side anyway, so I wasn't really established and it was still very much... You know, when you go in and you've got like fucking... Like David O'Leary, 650 fucking games and I'm in the circle because we always used to have a circle every morning, two in the middle and youngest in. So it'd always be me. I'd be the first one in and you'd never leave your foot in on David O'Leary, would you? You'd have respect for him. So, you know, you're kind of always like looking so you don't really see that banter we had I mean there was a few bits of banter in the circle but, but to 100% back each other yeah. when we was out when we was on the pitch you saw it what happened at United um, you know people off the bench coming in for that fight yeah. when Irwin took out 90, 91 yeah it? it was just I, I was 18 I, I, I think I was 17th 18th man I was I just want I think I got one kick in but I just wanted you know and we were such a good team when was this what when we had the fight, with, when, we the, got, when, the, when we got league. points deducted and won the league, yeah. Um, when, how was George brawl. Graham after that? Was he like? So there's that famous, there's, there's that famous um, bit of footage of him telling us outside of the training grounds, right? <laughs> that we're sitting outside London Colney, all lined up, and he says about um, about us, the press are going to be on you now, but I'm going to be there to to get out of your back and this, that, and the other. Well, before they came in, he, he was going, the fucking press are coming, right? They're a bunch of wankers. He said, they are fucking doing this to you, they are doing that to you. And then, and he said, and I'm going to deal with them. And as they come in, he went, hello, guys. He said, yeah, there you are. You can film all this. It's all going to be nice. And he done, it was proper propaganda. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he done a nice little piece for the, nice little piece for the press. He, he would never wash his dirty linen in public. He never chastised any of us. Um, out there but in the dressing room we got it off him and I think that was where the balance and respect came from yeah. with George because you he, knew that he had your back he had, well the right, as... he had the right kind of players from the right backgrounds as well You couldn't. it wouldn't work now would it with the players yeah. where they come from and you know and their preciousness obviously the, I mean unbelievable success you had in them years at Arsenal but it must have been a massive disappointment to miss those cup finals was it FA Cup League Cup and Cup Winners Cup yeah um not all in the same season, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I missed the... Yeah, it was... The, for, for me, the Cup Winners' Cup final was the biggest um, disappointment because I, I, I played so well. It was, it was that game we Torino. spoke about earlier, the Torino game, when I'd done well in the quarterfinal. Yeah. And we got them back to Highbury. I think it might have been 10 days later, could have been two weeks within the time frame. And we we done this little thing that they couldn't cope with. And I'd, it was a little move that George had worked out that in the first game, that if I came from that position off of Carboni, I was now a spare midfield player and I could pick the ball up from throw-ins, basically from throw-ins or little passes inside from Lee Dixon and just nip it around the corner to Ian Wright. Right, so that was our little, that was, that was how simple our game was. Knock it around the corner and then Davo or whoever's playing in the centre mid links up with Wrighty. Worked a dream in that first game. So I kept coming off spare for the throwing from Dicko and I was just pump, putting the ball in the corner every time, just lifting it in. Well, they don't fucking, they're not stupid, the, the Italians, are they? And they'd obviously looked at the video and I, I think that I was targeted in that first five minutes. I literally, the first one I went to put down the line, it came in, one of their players, and he just nailed me two studs straight in my ankle. I went off the pitch. I had a... a, a well, I ended up having 10 stitches in my ankle. I had a cut right on the knuckle of my ankle that opened up, just split open, like literally just opened up like an eye. Doc Sash took me in the, in the medical room at Arsenal, 
give me the, the old rag that was by the side of the thing, said, bite on that. I'm going to fucking stitch it. No time for anesthetic or nothing. He puts two stitches in and as he's doing them up, one of them just pulls through the skin and that, that hurts. <laughs> and, and Gary Lewin come in and he just said, what the fuck are you doing, doc? And he went, I'm going to stitch him up. He went, he can't fucking play with that. And I was like, come on, stitch it up, stitch it up. So they had another go, spent five minutes, couldn't get the stitches to hold. Yeah. Next one broke. Um, they didn't have the right, they was using like cat gut or some, some thicker stitch, thicker stitch stuff than they had. They wanted nylon, didn't have it. Said no. Um, yeah, so I think I was, I was targeted straight away, stopping from doing that. Not targeted to be taken off the pitch, yeah. but certainly stopping from doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paid the price and missed out on the final. But um, the... The two cups, Jimmy Case done me at fucking at Southampton. So I don't know what it was. Um, must must have been in the February because I think that the, the League Cups pay, played early, isn't yeah, it? So yeah. I think it must have been Feb. We was down at the Dell. Just before half time, he was getting on a bit, Jimmy. He was, you know, old, deaf, like fucking, you know, <laughs> fucking, you know. I wanted a, like an old Spaniel. I wanted, I want, yeah, he was. He was a bit of an old Spaniel and I just wanted to smack him. Do you know what I mean? I was a young kid and I thought yeah, yeah. I could show him, but he's fucking class, mate. Fucking class player. He could drop off. He had the right timing. But what he did was he knew how to look after himself. And five minutes before half time, 50-50, he's just delayed going in a little bit. He's let me get there first. Boom, Bang. straight down my shin. In dressing room, four stitches in my shin, half time. Took centre, Come back to me, played it square to somebody, got the ball back. As I got the ball back, bang, same leg, same knee, knee lig ligament's gone. So two minutes before half time, two minutes after, he done me, mate. He won't have enough. I didn't get him good enough before half time. Yeah. How yeah. long did that keep you out? Huh? How long did that keep you out? Um, three months. So about three or four months. So that was medial on, on the right. Um, yeah, and I'd already done that twice before. So I'd had three medial collateral tears. The other one I did at Sunderland. Um, Wasn't Bali, was it? <laughs> no, no. I'm trying to think who it was. Um, I went up for an edder. Someone come down and just landed on my leg. Did that. But but yeah, that was that was the disappointment. Mm. I missed those two cut finals. But got to say, joint Bristol Rovers, seven years later, six years later, and we had a lad called Neil Arndale playing for us right back little fucking stocky lad and he, he went out with a girl that lived across the road from me so we was good mates I used to take him to training and all that went to a playing in a reserve game against Brighton guess who's on Brighton's team sheet Jimmy Case <laughs> fucking Man, Jimmy Case he was player coach for the, he was player <laughs> coach there and he was playing in the reses filling the space in I says to Neil Arndale I says fucking Neil I said if you get a chance fucking do him for me will ya <laughs> fucking do him he, he put me out of two fucking cup finals. So Neil fucking, and I mean, Neil was, was, he was like in the taekwondo and all that was a kid. So he was, he was, he was, he knew how to look after himself yeah. and he was a fullback. He was like, right, sort of bustly, absolutely bustly. He's gone up for an edda with Jimmy in the midfield and he's just gone crack straight in the side of Jimmy's head and edded and nutted him, right? Fucking knocked him out, didn't he? Not only did he knock him out, within two minutes, we had to, ambulance was called, it drove onto the pitch. He fucking knocked his ear implant into his fucking ear. Oh, so you were deaf? He were deaf. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you knew. I thought you knew. He had, he had an earring aid. So it wasn't a joke. I wasn't a joke at the beginning. I thought you knew he was fucking deaf. No. 
Yeah, so he was deaf. He, wore, he played with an hearing aid. Neil had fucking nutted his aid straight into his ear and smashed it into his fu <laughs> ear, fucking claret coming out of there and everything. I felt <laughs> a little bit guilty. I went, you all right, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> he says, pardon? <laughs> no, he turned around and he went, you still missed two fucking finals, don't you, wanker? <laughs> no, but yeah, I, you know, and I think I had a lot of respect for Jimmy. Obviously, he was one of the players that I brought up with, uh, you know, looking at my dad's era sort of thing, Casey McDermott, all of those. <laughs> um, and then it filtered down to someone, yeah. And so you, you got, got a bit of payback. Yeah, well, yeah. Quick breaking player, we don't do many, but when we do... It's a worthwhile message. No VPN. Excellent server. I tell you what, no VPN sorted me out this week because me uh, Sky went down. What? Oh. Sky went down. They were through to quarterfinals of Australian Lego Masters. Oh, no. I was pulling me, well, if I had it, I'd be pulling it out. <laughs> Damn. Got on the laptop, bounced, bounced my location over, started watching it from Australia. I think yes, it's, I one of the, it's one Back of them, isn't it? That, that Lego Masters, like, I've only seen a couple of things, but... It, it's addictive, isn't it? Oh, is so it? like, you, if you quarterfinals, you're thinking I need to watch the semi sharpish. A Terry and June going to get through? That's a question. They've got they've got a big norm to build. Yeah. Isn't worth, on the clock. Was it worth bouncing your location? Oh, in was Australia? it? Was it? I'm looking forward to the semi finals next week. Can you and still get a better rate on Netflix? You can. Mexican net Netflix yeah, is yeah. cheaper, isn't it? Oh, Ariba, Ariba. <laughs> 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 well, those who don't know what NordVPN is, you can bounce your location and watch them shows in different countries. You, so you can also, like Chris said, you can get cheaper rates on your Netflix, etc. And military style. Military style. That's the first time I've been able to get Security it in. Security for all your passwords, your bank details, all that information that you don't want people getting their grubby little hands on. Cut the chase, Chrissy. What, what is the offer? the offer? Oh, we've got an offer. The link's the, in the description. This is up there with the best offers we yeah. give, yeah, by the way. Yeah. The link's in the description. Four months free. Yes, you heard me right. Four months free. Shake those heads in disbelief. I can't catch me breath. And a 30-day money-back guarantee. Say no more. Like, what we cannot do anymore. That was just the emoji, wasn't it? Hands in the air. Hands in the air. Phil, Enough said. Your boots. Link's in the description. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM. Like we talked about before, when the bird camp started coming in, did you get that feeling that maybe your time was up? Yeah, like yeah I couldn't. I, I couldn't. Um, compete with their technical play in the midfield. There was no way I was doing what Burkamp was doing when the ball was coming to me. And I, you know, you feel it's breaking down on you maybe and you're not suited to this role and you couldn't do the things that maybe the manager wanted you to do. There was more travelling with the ball. I was never a traveller with the ball, which was a big part of the game I think Wenger encouraged. Although what you'll do is you'll see him, it's very much pass and move, but on that first touch was just carry it into spaces and get away from people. You know, Vieira on his first touch nearly every time would take it forward away from people. Bergkamp goes on about his first touch. I think uh, I was finding it more and more difficult to compete technically with the players. 
So, and, and like I said, Riot came. Wrighton was on the wall from the start of that season. Then I got bad management, really. I shouldn't have gone to Portsmouth. I should have just stayed out my term at Arsenal and gone on a free at the end of the year and picked up half a mil. That's what I should have done. I should have just gone greedy and just said, fuck it, that's what I'm going to do. But I never had that mindset. I've been brought up as an Arsenal player who played for the shirt and for the love of football. Do you know what I mean? And you're fed that all the time. Some, sometime you've got to look after yourself. And I hadn't looked after myself. I hadn't looked after myself in contracts. And I, I'd signed everything they put in front of me first time. Every contract I just signed. I just wanted to be playing football. And I had a, an agent who weren't, didn't do the best for me. Um, he just wanted 25 grand from Portsmouth. Um, and to be fair, Portsmouth doubled my money. So I went there and, and had a decent ride for a couple of years. And then, you know, Terry Venables and fucking Fennec. So yeah, just went from party to party. <laughs> yeah. I, I just went from a nightclub to a, something that opens at six in the morning to carry on, the, carry on the day, like a spill or whatever they call it. Yeah. That was it. You know, it just went from one to the other. Did the, like you said, that culture just continued. It just fucking popular. continued. Yeah, it continued. Venables, did he have much to do? Was he, <laughs> he was fucking was ledge. He? he was a ledge, mate. Yeah. I saw him on the first day, he turned up in his Bentley T. TV one, his number plate, said, oh, and they said, oh, he's, he's come to do a promotional video because he's bought the club for a pound. Right? So he's, he's walking around with a cheque with one pound written on it. Like, <laughs> fucking, and I'm thinking, this is surreal. We saw him before we played Leeds in the quarterfinal of the cup. He came in and done this magnificent training session. Best, one of the best training sessions I've ever had from a coach like technical about the opposition. It was, it was amazing. I'm not joking. We went and played Leeds and absolutely fucking battered them. <laughs> right? Battered them. And we got Chelsea in the semi, in the, in the quarter. And he's come in on the Thursday to do one training session for the Chelsea game. Brilliant session. Made the mistake of coming in before the Chelsea game. And he said, <laughs> he said to us, he said, whatever you do, he said, all that training we did Thursday, he said, forget it. He said, just let LeBeouf have the ball. He's fucking useless. Let him have the ball. <laughs> let him have the ball. We'll be fine. So Brad, Brad Lee Bradbury and, um, oh God, I don't know who's playing up front. Matthias Svensson playing up front. Just sat on the fullbacks. Five minutes in, LeBeouf gets the ball. 65 yard, angled crossfield pass. Husey brings it down on his chest, bangs it in the top corner, 1-0. And for the rest of the game, we didn't have no one there to tell us not to go and close down LeBeouf he, he'd gone up in the stand and everybody just left LeBeouf I think he got 15 out of 10 for the game <laughs> he was that good and all he, he was like like quarterback he was just like that for the old game so that he did a couple of one good thing one bad thing fellas yeah. um, but the best thing he ever did was we went on a pre-season trip and it was how he turned up we was on a in Norway a hotel that was right on a lake Terry Fenwick who was properly right up uh, Venable's backside um, he said, lads, he got us all together after breakfast. He said, we're going to go down to the lake. He said, the gaffer's coming. He said, the gaffer's coming. We'd, we'd got a plane, a train, a coach, another train, and then a boat to get to where we got to, right? Across all these fjords and all this. And he turns up on a little seaplane, <laughs> comes in, right? This is Venice style. Comes in, drives it round, little boardwalk, right by the way we were all standing there waiting. This is how much love we had for him as well. And it was the culture of the football back then. He gets off. He's got a fucking straw hat on. He's got a little wicker case, right? <laughs> he's got a Hawaiian shirt on, shorts, 
and Jesus creepers, we called them then, but the old like crisscross sandals. And he just fucking walked in like that, like bod. And he just walks up the full vault like that. Why, that's, and everybody's like this. You're a legend, Gaffer. You're a legend. And that was, I mean, it was golden. You know, and he went, things like that. Your chairman, because that's basically what he was. Yeah. Coming and taking part with 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 you, yeah, it was fucking brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, I don't see Cronky coming and doing that at the moment, yeah. do you? Uh, to be fair, Portsmouth was as close to Arsenal as you're going to get for the culture of the drinking and, and who the, else the was part, that? The party in that, so um, Lee Bradbury, Fitzroy Simpson, um, Fitzy was mental. I had Andy Thompson and Tommy Peffick. They had Robbie Peffick at the back. Uh, Paul Hall, Martin Allen. Yeah. We've had him on and we've had numerous lads that have played for him. Was he? Well, I played for him at Barnet, didn't I, as right. well, a little bit. Is he mad as a box of, box of frogs as a, as a player? He's, he is an absolute fucking liability, but I love him. He's fucking like <laughs> anyone that calls their house Beaver House, just for this, because you know why he called it Beaver House, right? Because that's Martin all over, right? <laughs> we played a game against Swindon. We're doing a warm up and he's, he said, lads, line all the balls up there, cross from one side, we'll run over. And then we'll run back and we'll do a little bit with the ball and we'll run over and run back. So we, we lined all the balls up. He'd lined his ball up 10, 10 metres further in the pitch. So when he come, we all come running over. As we're running over, gets on our balls, he's a little bit late. So he turns up a little bit late and just drills his ball straight into the fucking crowd from 30 yards away as hard as he can. And it absolutely nails someone in the crowd. And he, and he comes over and he gets us in a little bunny. He goes, that'll get him fucking fired up, won't it? <laughs> And we're like, what the fuck, Mark? You nearly started a fucking riot. That'll get them fired up. Well. That'll get them fired I played a game, right? Averton Waterlooville. A reserve game in Portsmouth. Martin's the, Martin's the reserve. I think he was kind of like trying to get into management. This little fucking wanker in the midfield is all over Martin. He's kicking him. He's trying to... And, and in the end, Martin's had enough and he just fucking nails him. And then he gets over and he goes, don't you ever do that again. And he goes like that, he's got vampire teeth in. Right? He's got a set of vampire teeth <laughs> And the referee goes, Martin, and he goes, what are you on? Like that, to the ref. And he's got these fucking teeth in. <laughs> and I saw him a little while ago, and he went, oh, yeah, I remember doing that. I said, why? He said, I just thought it'd be a laugh. He said, I had, I had them in my shorts for like 25 minutes waiting for that, <laughs> waiting for that fucking tackle. <laughs> and yet they was a proper set of like, you know, the ones you go to buy in a shop, not like the sweetie ones. These were like, like he had a proper <laughs> set of the fuckers. I'm like, anyone who thinks to do that before a game... <laughs> Like, you know... Was he any, any good? Was he any good? He was good, yeah, yeah. he was good, yeah. He was a, he was your standard. He was in the mould of like a Rob O'Brien Robson, sort of like, you know, a one-touch, play it off, make that run, go forward. Decent striker of a ball, continuity player, not bad. Came to Bristol later on and never left. Came to Bristol, yeah. Well, I was at the end, weren't I? I was on the fucking escalator going down. I'd gone down, I'd gone down into the basement and I was fucking, there was nowhere getting back up, was it? It was flooding. <laughs> the basement was flooding. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd had enough, mate. I'd, 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 I missed that opportunity to, to capitalise on it financially, I think, at that, at that point when I should have gone on a free. Because if I'd have gone on a free to Portsmouth, I'd have got the money in my bin. And you know what? I just, I just had enough. I didn't want to be a coach. I didn't want to spend... Christmas and every Saturday out. I didn't want to, you know, spend my life being disciplined and, you know, having to do all of what I was doing, looking after myself and everything. And I just, yeah, I just wanted a clean break. And we was in Bristol um, and it was easy. I had a few quid so I could last a couple of years um, and we'd done all right with 
property sort of thing without like buying properties and stuff. So we was okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I'd have come along 20 years later, I wouldn't have even got in the fucking Arsenal team. So, so <laughs> I've got to be happy with what I've got. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I've got to be up and honest with it because I think if that's the case, I, that's what it would have been. I'd have, I'd have been out on fairness and equality fucking things, wouldn't I, at 12? <laughs> They'd have kicked me out for being a fucking little thief and being a little wanker and an obnoxious little twat. How old were you when you knocked her on the head then? I was 33 and a half. So I went quite early, but I'd had, I had a problem with my hip. I had a couple of recurring problems in there. And thankfully the PFA sorted that out. I got that done when I was 37. I had a resurface and that's, that's fine. Um, and I just, yeah, it's just, I went through the same process that I went through at Portsmouth as well with the administration um, and the ownership at Bristol Rovers was the same. Sky Murdoch took the money out, out of sponsorship out of the lower division. So all of a sudden, I think the, the year that I left football, there was, there was about 400 more people retired from the game than in any other year because the clubs were saying, do you know what? I've got an 18-year-old kid here that I can pay 400 quid a week that can do what you're doing. No yeah. respect. No, no disrespect to you, Dave, but if I want someone to run up and down, you know, I know you bring a little bit of experience, but I don't really need that. It's at Bristol Rovers. I just need someone who can fucking put the shirt on and fill a hole and, and do the job properly. And, and that, that, that was the case. So that was the end for me. I, I, I bimbled around. I went back to Barnet for a little while with, Martin, with Mad Dog. Um, but I, I couldn't take that. I weren't travelling. I weren't travelling to London for a grand a week. Fuck that. That just weren't, weren't happening. Um, and I went to Aberdeen for a week. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> How did I last there? That's a little bit further than London. It's a little bit grey as well, isn't it? <laughs> Fuck me, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so I went there. I went, I went there sort of towards the summer. So it was, it was sort of, sort of seven, eight degrees. It was nice, yeah. Um, Tropical. And, and, and there was almost daylight at some point. Yeah, some, sometimes you almost saw daylight. But I was like, I can't be doing this. I've got young family and... Yeah, I just had enough and just thought, you know, I'll just go on a different path and see where it takes me. Enjoying um, life now, mate. Enjoying it, yeah. Enjoying life. Enjoying life. I've just actually, I've just remembered one story I'll tell you about, right? Do you remember a, gla- a lad called Glenn Helder? Yeah. This, talk, this yeah. is about team spirit, right? This, right. Now, this, this for me tells you about what our team was about, right? So this was when Bruce Riok was there. So Riok could not break our team of what we was and how we run things. Did he try? He did, yeah. He tried with his training and he tried with his threats and he tried with his getting us on Sundays and he tried with, our, with him the way he patronised us and, and after losses and always, always um, uh, held us up against his model of him. You know, this is how I would have done it. This is how I played. This is how I thought. Well, fuck it. It's not you. It's us. You manage us. Not, you're not managing 11 Bruce Riocks, are you? But we went, we went on tour <clears throat> pre-season. Oh, come. I was rooming with David Platt. I remember him showing off, writing down on a pad what he, what he had in the bank. Fucking wanker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was on a phone call to his agent. He, he, had, he had like, um, it said 1.5 in Swiss bank mills, right? This is when he, because he'd been Bari, Juventus and Sampdoria, hadn't yeah. it? And he it, and it, it had Mizuno, 700,000 per year written down he was on over half a million quid a year sponsorship the right and he was proper showing off um, we're, we're, at this, we're at this pre-season camp and we'd signed Glenn Helder right and Glenn's come in he's got the fucking body of a god he is ripped to fuck so 
Merce calls me and he said, we're going to do the fucking ultimate sit-up trick on Glenn, right? Are you up for it? You've got to suck him in, Dave. Have you ever heard of it? No. Right, have you heard of it? I think I have, yeah. So we gets Glenn in, says, uh, Glenn, are you going to, there's, oh, there's a sit-up, you'll never be able to do it. You will never be able to do a fuck, this is sit-up, you'll never be able to do it. He said, I'll fucking do anything. I can do anything, man. Look at this body, look at this body. <laughs> fucking look at this body. Fucking look. Look at me. And he says, no, you can't do it. Well, I'll do it now. I'll do it. No, no, you can't do it. You have to train for it. It's going to take a few days. So we, we, we said to him, he's got to train for it. You've got to do sit-ups like this. And sit-ups like And we said, we'll show you it once. And you're going to do this in a few days, right? And what it is, they got me on the floor. Right. I got up in a sit-up position like that. He said, right, do 20 sit-ups, normal crunches, right? So you do 20. I've done 20. He said, right, lay back, close your eyes. Now do 20 to the right. 20 to the left with your eyes closed. And I said, oh, they're getting hard. Fucking hell. Why is it with my eyes closed? I can't do them. This is what I'm fucking doing. Right? <laughs> oh, it's getting harder and harder. Fucking, that's weird. <laughs> and I go, I go, oh, keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. Right. He goes, Dave Seaman, jump on him, get a towel over his eyes and pin his head down. So this is all set up. So I'm laying there going, oh, my stomach. Fucking hell, that was hurting. <laughs> and Dave Seaman gets on top of me, gets his towel, pins it across my eyes, holds me head down. He says, right, now you've got to push and try and do a sit-up for 20 seconds. So I'm going, I'm trying to push against this towel. I'm going, my stomach, I'm getting cramped. I'm getting cramped. He goes, right, try and do a sit-up. And I went, I can't move. I've got cramped. I can't move. I can't move. And then two of the lads jump on me, put my legs down, pretending to, stretch me out. Oh, fucking hell. Well done, Dave. He said, you nearly done it. I said, fucking hell, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the sit-up, mate. I couldn't do it. At the end, I was, like, stuck. So Glenn's going, I can fucking do it, man. I can do it. Come on, fucking let me do it. Let me do it. And they said, no, do you, do, practice again. Cut the day. So a couple of days goes by. We're playing table tennis. Now, Mercer's got the sweatiest fucking ass. He is covered in air, Mercer, right? He is like a fur baby. we just finished training. He's playing table tennis. He's dripping sweat. He said, right, Glenn's coming. We'll do it now. We'll do it now. I'm fucking soaking. He went, all right. <laughs> So we fucking get Glenn on the floor, right? We go, Glenn, we're ready to do it, ready to do it. He goes, yeah, 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 man, yeah, man. He strips off as well, right, Glenn? Down to his little shorts. He's, yeah, he's fucking warming up, all of that. Gets on the floor, gets in the position, like 20 crunches. 20, yeah, cool. Fucking hell, Glenn, you're strong, aren't you? Right, close your eyes. 20 to the right, 20 to the left. Right, 20, 20. Keep your eyes closed, keep your eyes closed. This is when it's, is it cramping yet? No, no, it's fine, man. It's super, 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 superb. <laughs> Merce at this time. So Dave Seaman's got on him, got the thing over him. Right? He's got, keep your eyes closed all the way. So when we take the towel off, keep your eyes closed and just go for it. One sit up, yeah? As he's got the towel over his eyes, Mercer's fucking took his pants off. He's got right above Glenn's head like that. Right? And he's <laughs> sitting with Glenn's nose about that far. Glenn's come from Holland, right? He ain't ever had none of this shit before. <laughs> he ain't ever had his nose up someone's ass, right? He ain't fucking ever had that. There's going to be a reaction, isn't there? He's going to fucking go ape shit because Bergkamp was saying, don't fucking do it. The Dutch boys are not into this shit. And we're going, oh, fuck off, Dennis. You fuck off. And, we're, and he comes up. They release the towel and he comes up. Like that, straight into Mercy's ass, right? Right into it. Right, he's buried in there. He's like, Mercy's just, oh, he's fucking like right in there, right in there. And all Glenn did was he got up, got his shirt, threw it on the floor, stomped around the room, cussed and that, and then he just laughed his fucking head off because he just thought, Do you know what? You got it. I'm, in, I'm in the club. I'm in the club. And, and that's about. Bruce Riot can't do that. 
Bruce can't fucking, he couldn't have created that <laughs> for Glenn. He couldn't have done it for Glenn. Do you know what I mean? In the team. And it was, um, yeah, it was ledge. Um, that, that, that was, just, that summed it up. It's, nice to, uh, it's probably not the nicest way to get integrated, but you know, at least you know you're in you're there. In then, you? yeah. you know you're in I've had my nose up fucking Mercer's Gary Glitter. <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm in. Well, it's a bit like when you said about the, when Kev first got invited out on a Tuesday night. It's like a little stage, isn't it? It's like what you mm. get through. At Christmas, we, you, you did it, it started off as, a, as an apprentice at Christmas. As, at Christmas as an apprentice, we used to get 50 quid off of the bloke you clean boots for, right? Which was a ledge. And normally it was a 50 pound note. They'd only just come out and us apprentices on 25 pound and 27 pound 50 a week, first and second year, that's a big deal. Yeah. But to get your money, you had to strip off down to your slip, stand in the tub where they clean the boots, like the muddy bathtub and sing a Christmas carol I mean it's legendary Andy Cole cleaned Tony Adams boots and you wouldn't imagine that Andy Cole was the worst trainer in the world he did what he wanted to do if he didn't want to do the warm up he just walked he just walked and the manager shouted him and he'd go just carry on walking he never did what he did what he wanted to do but he stood in that water and he brought the house down because he sung the best Christmas cover ever. And it was to Tony Adams. And you've got to imagine the level of respect. Tony was in England's side at the time, probably. Yeah. Captain of Arsenal. Andy Cole, little apprentice, stands in the water and he sings, Little Donkey. <laughs> little Donkey, Little Donkey, on a dusty road. And he points at Tony Adams. And Tony's like... <laughs> That is fucking brilliant, mate. <laughs> I absolutely love you. And it's no surprise that he went on to be yeah, as good yeah. as he was because he, he was in. He got in. And he must have had a lot of confidence to be strutting about as a young pup, just doing what he wanted. He was uber confident. I think that's why they, they, they farmed him out to Bristol City because he was just a, a little bit of liability. And, and Dickie kind of, Paul Dickoff kind of got a sniff in, didn't he? Um, got a couple of games in um, at that time. But yeah, he was, he was a, I think, a big miss. Big miss for Arsenal in players. He was a fantastic player. Well, Thank you very much for coming Absolutely on, mate. Brilliant. Enjoy no, that. That's all right. So it's been good. It's been good Great meeting the boys. <laughs>
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.